0: Welcome to a message by Highway Christian Community. Highway Christian Community is a church in Pinetown pastored by Steve and Janet Wheeler, whose vision is to make disciples. You can visit their website at www.highway.org.za. We hope that today's message enlightens the eyes of your heart to know the goodness of God and awakens you to live your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Well, good morning to you at home. Wasn't that a great time we've had this morning? Just to remind you that we're going to be crossing over on Sunday mornings at Hopos 9. So join us for worship and some family news, some community happenings that are taking place. And we'll try as best as possible to keep the ministry, and the preaching to about 30 minutes and start fairly promptly at 10 o'clock as people have limited data and we want to encourage as many as possible to come online. Well, I must say to you this morning that I'm really excited about this passage of scripture in Matthew 16 that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. It's sort of captured my heart and it's reaffirmed the importance of what Jesus is doing on the earth today come COVID or no COVID, come AIDS or no AIDS, come uh, cataclysmic happenings in the, the atmosphere, it's not going to change what Jesus intended to do on this planet. And his kingdom is an ever-increasing kingdom. It's an ever-expanding kingdom. And his instrument for bringing his kingdom into operation is through his church and I love this passage in Matthew 16 that we've been studying over the last couple of weeks and I'm going to continue this morning along the veins of Matthew 16 but where specifically Jesus said I'll give you the keys because there are some things that are not allowed in heaven and there are some things that are allowed in heaven and he says it's those things I'm going to position you with keys to open and close. It is such a powerful message and understanding this. So over the next couple of weeks, I don't know how many I'm going to get through this morning, but I am going to be unpacking these over the next uh, while and invite you to come and join me as we begin opening and closing some things that are not permitted in heaven and shouldn't be permitted on earth. And some things that are allowed in heaven And should be allowed here on earth. Jesus spoke to his disciples. And he asked them who they thought he was. And we saw last week it was on this revelation. That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the son of God. He said I'm going to build my church. We've got to know who this Jesus is. And then he goes on and he says I'm going to build my ecclesia. They were familiar with what that meant. They knew it as a, a conventus of a delegation representing the government of Rome. But this delegation, this conventus, wasn't just limited to the visible realm of the kingdom of Rome. This kingdom was going to have authority in the unseen realm. And they understood what opening and closing was, locking, loosing, and releasing, because that was, they were familiar with that. What they weren't familiar with was what Jesus was actually bringing to them, his kingdom. That he has to spend chapter after chapter explaining through the parables. And right up to the time after his ascension, when he met with his disciples, it says, for 40 days, he spent time with them teaching on the kingdom of God. He wasn't just teaching them how to get people saved. He wasn't only teaching them about how the church structure should look. The church, the ecclesia, was always the instrument where the two and three were gathered in his name, where they would be given that ambassadorial authority to bind and to loose. Not just to have a social hangout alone, as important as community is, but to take it that step further of exercising kingdom authority. And if, as Christians, we do not reach out and take hold of that kingdom that's at hand, then the realms of darkness are going to be very quick to display their ability to influence on this planet. So, over the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to stir up in you an appetite to exercise the keys that Jesus spoke about. So let's read that passage again together as we've looked at it in Matthew chapter 16. He asks them, Who do you say I am? Verse 16 Peter answers, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but my Father. And that is so important because the revelation of who Jesus is comes by the Spirit of the Father, not by human reasoning and cerebral, empirical data. It comes by the Spirit of God. He says, and that's what I'm going to build my church on. And verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. If we were sitting in church this morning, I'd say, say keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bound on earth will have been bound in heaven. Now, the NRV doesn't bring that out so well there. It's the uh, present perfect uh, verb form of be bound. And it speaks about a continual state of Uh, the past coming to the future. So the translation has been bound is a much more accurate uh, uh, interpretation there. Has been bound. And whatever you loose on earth has been loosed in heaven. So Jesus is saying there's some things not allowed there and they shouldn't be allowed here. And then Jesus says, I'm going to teach you how to operate in these keys. Are you ready for this journey? Are some of you needing to see breakthrough in your life? Are some of you needing to go past the point of saying, I understand I'm in a community. I understand God has given me some gifts for this day and age. I understand my first calling is to be intimate with Jesus. But I'm here on a mission. God has put me on this earth for such a time as this. And let me tell you, my friend, COVID is not going to stop the church doing what it was called to do. Of course, we're going to be good citizens because we don't want to unnecessarily offend people or get their germs and their smelly breath. So social distance is not a bad idea anyway. I was standing in the shops the other day and there was social distance lines. And I was standing there thinking, hey, this is quite cool. I don't mind people not like ramming up behind me and on top, of me on top of the person in front of me. So, you know, social distancing is not a bad thing. And then, hey, you know. Washing hands. Well, you know, there's a whole new concept. Soap and water. Good idea. And don't go sneezing and coughing over people. In a public place, you know, if you want to wear something over your mouth, that's just showing that we citizens tr- concerned about what's going on. And the, the government are making their way as they go and making some mistakes. They're doing some good things. They're making some mistakes. Very similar to church leaders. I don't know any church leader out there who's deliberately trying to offend people. I don't know any church leader out there that woke up before the COVID and said, ah, here's an opportunity for me to irritate some people. <laughs> I mean, your pastors love you and they pray for you and they're trying their best. And hindsight is 2020. You know, I can look back after this COVID and I can say, wow, I'm going to do that different next time. I'm going to do that different. And it's a good question to dialogue between church leaders and say, guys, what can we do better next time? How can we be better prepared? I made some blunders along the way, and so have our government. Our governments made some mistakes. Even now, there's an investigation into the actual um, legitimacy and legality and the constitutionalism of of some of the the, the, the level four and three. And I'm glad there's going to be investigation. I think it should be, because we all felt a little bullied. Come on. Don't look at me with that self-righteous face. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not a smoker, but I mean, some of the stuff was ridiculous. And we just decided we're going to be good uh, citizens of the country. We're going to comply. But deep down, we had a sense of, hang on, there's a bit of bullying and pushing around going on, and we'll put up with it to a point. Because the word of God says, live at peace with everyone as far as possible. But my friend, the answer is not the enemy. The enemy, the Bible says, is not flesh and blood. There's spiritual principalities and powers that we are fighting against. And we've got to be very careful we don't take our eyes off the real battle and start looking in the natural and finding a scapegoat and finding someone to blame. And I think it was that Minister uh, of Parliament. I think it was that government party. We've got to be very careful. We've got to pray for our government. We've got to uh, honour them, do our best. But our war is in the spiritual realm. We need spiritual weapons to engage our spiritual enemy. We've got to be very careful at this time that we don't shrink into a place of being so self-protected and so concerned for our health that we forget where our real battle is. And I want to say to you, your, as your pastor, take the precautions, but be very careful of a spirit of fear and an anxiety that is not from God. You see, we've heard this over and over that God has not given us a spirit of fear. But right now, the church is being under attack like maybe not since the last great persecution. There is an enormous attack of, on our faith, on our confidence in God. And we're not going to be reckless, but we're also not going to compromise. I want to say it publicly here. I might get into trouble for this, but I'll take it on the chin. In fact, I'll even have to stand before a judge if it came to that. But we're going to be baptizing some people. We're going to baptize. There have been about 20 conversions that have taken place over this COVID time. And these people want to be baptized. So when I go to my Bible and it says, who shall permit these people from being baptized? There's water. We're going in there. Oh, Steve, but that's illegal. What about social distancing? I don't know. When I've got to choose between the Constitution and my Bible, I'm sorry, friends, this is going to trump. And that's not a rebellious spirit. That's not a a, a stirring up antagonistic spirit. I I want to be honest to my conscience. But my friend, my conscience to God is number one. My conscience to this is number two. And then my conscience to the state comes after that. So we baptizing people, yes. We're getting in the water. We're going to be standing with them. We might have uh, face shields. We've got these plastic face shields now. They say water is very good to wash off COVID. So who knows? You know, before we worry about us catching COVID from them, what about we hope that the demons catch a club across their Chin, and the Holy Spirit comes and fills that person in the water, drives out darkness, drives out the, the enemy of, of, of bondage in those people's lives, and suddenly they are brought into a whole new experience in the kingdom. Come on, that's something to rejoice about. We're going to be baptizing 20 people right here at our uh, 10 Harvey Road. Right here at 10 Harvey Road. Where right now, there are upskilled classes taking place, computer skills, uh, business mission. There's farming, training taking place and we're growing. There have been donations coming in left, right and center. Just last week, there were like, I don't know, five tons of food that came through the church in a matter of a day or two. God is at work in our community. But we are going to preach Jesus as the Messiah and we're going to baptize those who find faith in him. These are the keys of the kingdom. Until a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That is our starting place. That is our our, our primary calling. We can do all the social things and they're good. And I thank God for the property here at 10 Harvey Road, that it can be used as a mission center during this time to impact our community. And and I want to thank you for supporting the mission here at 10 Harvey Road, whether you're in Durban North or Mischlange or Joburg or Hillcrest. The fact that you're supporting what's happening down here, you're supporting a mission. My only plea is don't lose touch with your community of believers where you live and don't lose touch touch with us. We want to keep ministering prophetically what we believe God is taking us into, what we believe God has in store. And you know what? God is in a good mood. The devil is out to kill, rob, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have abundant life. Please, don't let the fear of this time, don't become so obsessed that you wash the skin off your hands before breakfast in the morning, where you spray yourself to death with alcohol and need to go to a rehabilitation center. You might be questioning how much I'm spraying. <laughs> where you have to deal with uh, phobias and fears. Come on, let's let's be wise. But let's engage the keys of the kingdom, number one. Now, I don't know, I've probably used up half my preach time in my introduction, but I want you to get this. I want you to get that Jesus is building his church because it's the instrument to inject the leaven of the kingdom into our community. That when he came to minister on earth, one of his very first statements, if you I've got a Bible in front of you and you want to turn to, to, to Matthew chapter chapter 4. One of his very first statements that came after his baptism, after his temptations in the wilderness, after John had been arrested and put in prison, Jesus comes along and he says in verse 17 of chapter 4, from, the time, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Right from the beginning of his ministry, Jesus said, guys, I know you came thinking I was going to deliver you from the Roman tyranny and the Roman oppression. And I was going to brandish sword and javelin and lead an army into into battle. That's not the kingdom I'm coming to establish. In fact, Jesus says, I have my kingdom with me right now, and it's so close to you. It's so close to you. In fact, it's within reach. It's at hand, he says. It's close enough that you can stretch out and take hold of it. That's the kingdom that Jesus is coming to establish. It's the king's dominion. Kingdom. The king's dominion. It was the same dominion that God gave in Genesis when he created man and said, go into all the earth and replenish it and subdue it and have dominion. They started in a little garden that was their beachhead. There was chaos of the planet, the Bible says. And they were going to go family by family, community by community, uh, uh, city by city of worshipping, God-obeying, God-loving believers, walking in faith in God's word to them and re-establish His kingdom over this planet. But we know that fell when man rebelled and committed high treason against God's orders and committed mutiny in his heart and God never gave up on his first commission and that's why he raised up a nation of Israel that he incubated his promises of a Messiah who would be the last Adam. And the last Adam would come and recommission the people of God to take dominance back to the kingdom of God. Jesus came as a man with the same limitations that you and I have. Jesus didn't come on a fiery chariot with uh, advantages that we never had. He came and had a walk in a right relationship in righteousness because he chose and did not sin and did not have a sinful nature. But because of his righteousness, he lived as all believers would in the future who would receive his righteousness. That is the genius of the gospel. Is that Jesus came to recommission us to take back the king's dominion which he brought with him and he said, you born again, you enter the kingdom of God and now we are going to take the keys of that kingdom and we're going to begin releasing the things that are already released in heaven and we're going to begin binding the things on earth that are not permitted in heaven. So Jesus came and restored the mission. His central focus was that the kingdom was coming and he was going to do this through this church, this ecclesia that was unstoppable. The gates of hell could not uh, prevail against it. And when Jesus said, now, now, if you're making notes, if you are wanting to write these keys down, I apologize, I'm taking a bit long and it's going to take maybe a few weeks. But the first one, and this is the one I want to deal with here today. Matthew 4 verse 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent. It's the same word Peter used after Pentecost when the people cried out, what should we do? And because there's such a misunderstanding of what it means to repent, we've got so many false connotations to that word. I need to pause there a little bit. I need to just spend a little bit of time unpacking. Or else we start with the wrong foundation, moving into the first key of the kingdom is to repent for the kingdom of heaven. It is close enough that we can take it. You see, the very word repent, the, the Greek word metanoia, has got packed into it the concept of a mind that is changed. It's a a, a turning away in our noia, our mind, our thinking. Unfortunately, that word repentance has stirred up more of an angry God with a long finger and a, 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 a volcano in his voice, screaming at a high pitch to unrepentant sinners! We had a guy like that in Springs, literally, I was in primary school. I used to catch a bus in those days to school and uh, into town. And he used to get on a black suit, black hat, black tie. He used to get on the bus and he used to stand there. And at a point in time, he'd scream out, repent, with a loud, booming voice. I mean, we were just like frightened, spitless little kids sitting on the bus. No, metanoia carries a whole different concept. It's a changing of the way we think. Because you know what happens when we start having our minds transformed? Sin loses its gravity because we realize that we weren't created to self-destruct. And yes, there might be some things that uh, need to be progressively worked out. But we start discovering that God hates sin because he hates what it does to his children. And that difference between understanding hate for the person and hate for the sin starts with our relationship with God. Now, what have I just spoken about? Changing the way we think. Changing our mind. It starts there. Changes the way I think about God. That He who knew no sin became my sin so that I could become the righteousness of God. When I believe that in Him I'm a new creation... That Jesus is the way to the Father and that the Father is described in one word, love. When my mind starts to be renewed to understand how God has intervened in the fallenness of man to bring us back into relationship with him, my mind starts changing. I realize the destructiveness of sinful behaviors. But repentance doesn't start with trying to deal with the, repent, the, the, the sinful behaviors. It starts with changing the way I think. And the change in behavior is a consequence, not a cause, not a condition of being forgiven and set free. Because he wants us set free. I remember as a new Christian, when I just heard the gospel for the first time, the leader that sort of took me under his wing, he said, you must write down all the sins you remember. I I was, you can imagine how thick that book was. No, not really. Uh, But I wrote down everything I could remember. I did this. Then I had to go back and sit with him and and go through each one and confess it so that I could be forgiven. I never quite figured out that Jesus had already died on the cross before this and he said, I'm forgiven uh, when I believe in him. But anyway, I, I, I didn't know any better. I was just trying to be a good disciple, follower and and I went through all these sins and then I had a promise I'd never do these again. But can you see what's happening? When we become sin conscious, we move in the very direction of our dominant thoughts. And the next two years were hell on earth. Because I found out That we weren't intended not to break the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were intended to break us. And bring us to the mercy and the grace of God. Where we would come humbly and receive His finished work at the cross. And have our minds transformed to understand that he who knew no sin became sin so that we could be made the righteousness. That he has set us apart to himself as his beloved people. That he's drawn us out of darkness into his kingdom light. And he has seated us in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he says, as he is, so are we in this world. And I'm convinced, my friend. That as our minds are transformed, like Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Because when your mind is renewed to know what God has done and what the cross did, then our being delivered from sins is the result of a metanoia, which is a repented worldview, God view, Self-view, it's a change of that. So Jesus says, he uses this word. This word repentance is used in many other places in the New Testament. And if we don't define it right, we set ourselves up for failure. We set ourselves up to become sin conscious. We, be, we set ourselves up to become schizophrenic. And God never intended us to live that way. In fact, Hebrews 6.1 says that we've repented from dead works to put faith in God. So repenting from dead works, dead works are those things that we thought we could do to present ourselves as righteous before God. But we found that they just dead works. Every religion is full of dead works. You name a religion, Christianity included, Judaism, Hinduism, Islam, every world religion is based on dead works. It's me trying to Make a list of what I must stop doing so that I can appease the deity in heaven. Oh, my friend, what a weak message that is. But how powerful is the message of the gospel that says in Christ you were crucified, you were buried. You were raised up and seated in heavenly places. My friend, you were co-crucified. You were co-buried and you were co-resurrected with Jesus. And that's what we celebrate in baptism. That's why these people have being baptized is because we are demonstrating outwardly what happened in our heart. I hope there was a day in your life where you made that commitment, where you surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and put your faith in Him because in that moment, in that twinkling of an eye, you were changed and you entered a kingdom and you might not even know it but in that kingdom you are going to be given keys to exercise kingdom authority and kingdom dominion and if believers don't rise up and reach for that kingdom at hand and apply those keys then the realms of darkness are ready to display their ability to influence. And you look around you and you know what I'm saying is true. And you might have more unanswered questions in your mind right now. You might be saying, but what about this? And what about that? And how's this going to work? And why has God allowed this? Right now in Jesus' name, I I, I just want to ask peace to come into your mind. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at some of the the practical outworkings of the kingdom keys. But in the meantime, I just want to come against a spirit of fear in your life. That spirit is not allowed in heaven. It's disallowed. There's no fear. There's no anxiety. And I want to say that spirit in the unseen realm is not allowed in your life and in your home. And if you've been gripped by it in any way, Right now, I declare in Jesus' name, on earth as it is in heaven, you are free. You are free right now. And God give you wisdom to discern between being a responsible citizen, being responsible with your physical health, and walking in a demonic oppression of fear. May He give you wisdom to discern the difference between those things. And I declare the blood of Jesus on your life. I declare the blood that Jesus shed, that was shed for our forgiveness of sins and for the healing of our bodies be upon you and your family. What an opportunity, church. What an opportunity we have to rise up with an answer in the midst of this chaos. This might not be the last epidemic that comes to this planet. Maybe this is just a tester. And maybe this is an opportunity for the church to say, we're going to rise up. We're going to believe God like never before. We're not going to tell, let the media tell us what to expect. Hello? No, no, we're not going to let the media tell us you must expect to get sick then and sick then. We're going to say, no, hang on. We're going to expect that God is our healer, God is our protector, and we're going to rather die believing that than live accepting an inferior reality. The reality of the kingdom is, kingdom is a higher reality than the, the science predictions. So be free, my friend. Be free this morning. And come on this journey with us as we look at these kingdom keys over the next couple of weeks. God bless you. We love you lots. Amen.